Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. I know God wants to do something here in this house tonight. I feel it so strong. And I'm here tonight not just to give you a pretty little sermon or a teaching, but I really feel a mandate from God to speak the word of God over y'all tonight because God has so much more for us in this house. And so I want to go ahead and start with the word of God. If you've got your Bible, if everyone remains standing, if you get the word out, and if you can go with me to John chapter 18, verse 33. And we're going to start from there. And if you don't have your Bible, we'll have it on the screen, I believe. If you have your Bible ready, just say, amen, I got it ready. If not, say, wait, Pastor Don, wait. No, everyone's good? Praise God. Don't you love Jesus in this place? Aren't we so blessed to be able to come and feel the presence of God? I'm telling you, we are blessed people to be able to step into the house of God. And what you feel in this place tonight, what's even more awesome about it, is that you can walk home and go into your prayer closet and you can feel the same presence of God that you feel in this place tonight. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on, are we overcomers in this place? Are we filled with the Holy Ghost in this place? If not, we need to be. We need the power of God in our lives. John 18, verse uh, 33 says this, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Uh, Or did others tell you this concerning me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear, this is what I want you to catch, witness to the truth. There is a truth. Witness to the truth, he said. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said this to him, the proverbial question that every one of us have at some time or another in our life. And he said this, well, what is truth? What even is truth anymore? What's interesting about this statement is that Pontius Pilate was the Roman emperor at that time, just like Alexander the Great, just like Nero and all the other Caesar, Caesar Augustus. He was a Caesar. He was a Roman emperor. And at this time and place in the world, they looked at those Roman emperors as a god. They were just another God, so they were worshipped. So it's interesting to to see and read this, that he said this question that all of us have asked, what is the truth when he himself was being worshipped as a God? Isn't that interesting? And what God has laid on my heart was the fact that this generation and everything that they're dealing with is so much different than when I was young. This generation is exposed to so much more than we ever were 30 years ago when I was young. They have faced challenges, questions, ideologies, schools of thought, things that we never faced in my generation because of the world of technology we live in. And they are asking that same question today. 
what is the truth. They've got knowledge at their fingertips. They've got it right there on their phones. Anything they want to know, they can Google it and look it up. They can learn about all kinds of other religions. They can learn about other ideologies. And they they will have questions about them. But they don't always know or understand that there is just one absolute truth. There is one absolute truth. I'm telling you, we're we're so scared of offending people. We've got to stand as a church for what is true. It's infiltrating our generation. I'm so glad Legacy is in here tonight. They need to hear this because they are the ones that are exposed to so much that we were never exposed to. The boundaries and barriers of gaining knowledge are just right here for every one of us. And if we don't have truth settled in our heart, we will give way to any kind of wind of doctrine. We will believe any kind of wind of doctrine that we would want to believe because we are filling our hearts with things that are not true. When God says we've got to fill our hearts with the word of God for his word is true. And the spirit of God is real and it's in this earth today. And the spirit of God is what is wants to teach us. And so I want to talk to y'all about that tonight. There's so many, and I'm not here to bash religions, okay? But there's so many different religions, right? We know about Buddha. And the crazy thing about Buddha is that even though he is worshipped as a god, but he did teach moral ethics. Yes, morality is great. Ethics, living right is great. Loving humanity is great. All of those things are great that he taught. But even Buddha at the end of his life said, what, what, what is truth? I'm still searching for truth. But yet he is worshipped today. Muhammad in the Islamic faith never claimed to be the truth. Confucius, who is a Chinese philosopher. Y'all can go ahead and be seated. I'm sorry, I'm just going on. Y'all are probably tired of standing. Woo, praise God. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. But Confucius, if you've ever studied philosophers, that's the question in the world today. Because philosophers, they say there's no absolute truth. Okay, but they teach moral reasoning, reasoning and ethics and all of that. But Confucius was the Chinese philosopher, and he is followed today by many in the Chinese culture. Yes, he taught good morals. Yes, he taught good things, but he never claimed to know the truth, but yet he is worshipped. And then we have Hinduism, which is polytheism. We're monotheism. We know that we worship one true living God. But can you imagine having 33 million gods to have to try to pray to? They have a choice of 33 million gods to pray to. And what they teach is not one truth. And they know this. And then another thing that I've been studying recently is not only that, but the church. It's not even a church. They call it a church and a religion now. But it's called Wiccan. And did you know that that... That witchcraft is infiltrating the churches today. There are such things called Christian witches. I looked it up. And it's infiltrating the church today. And they are messing with the word of God. They are messing with the house of God. They are messing with the truth of God. And that is a scary thing, not for us, but for them. That is a scary thing. Because Jesus is the only one that ever said he was the truth. Jesus was the only one that claimed and was able to walk this earth and say that he is the truth. But humanity is looking for something or someone to worship. 
It is just inside of us from the moment that we are born. There is a God-sized hole inside of our hearts. And, and, and if we don't fill it with the one true living God, we will try our best to fill it with something else. And it won't last. It won't fulfill the longing in our hearts because the creator, the one that made heaven and earth, our God, Jesus, is the one that was so supposed to fill our hearts from the beginning. So you can try to fill it with all kinds of things, but there's a void inside of your heart. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know that when God touched you for the first time, it was something like you've never experienced before in your life? It was radical. It was different. It was for me. It was radical. Let me tell you, God did a work when he did a work on me that only he could do. So humanity, we're born wanting to worship something. That's why we see people make idols and, and, and statues and, and visible things. We want to see something visible. We want a visible God. We want a God that we can speak to and we can hear his voice oftentimes. Colossians, Paul says this to, in Colossians. He said that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is speaking of Jesus. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in, in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Paul is referring to Jesus being from the beginning of time. The image of our invisible God came in the form of man and walked this earth, and his name was Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But all the false ideologies that this generation is exposed to, Satan would love to trip them up. They, he would love to get them confused. And we know that confusion is not of God. Confusion is of who? The devil. And he would love to trip them up. And this one lie, this is something I've been hearing so much lately. I've been hearing it a lot. And, and, and it just irks me and it gets under my skin. And I'm not being religious or I'm not being so old school. But I'm telling you, this is a lie. And I've heard it over and over again. Well, we serve the same God. If someone serves another, that's okay. We're all serving the same God. That's not true. Can I tell you that's not true? Either you believe it or you don't believe it. Either you believe it's absolute truth that Jesus Christ is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Either you believe it or you don't believe it. We don't serve the same God. There's one true God, and his name is Jesus, and our younger generation needs to know that. That's the lie that I hear. People get offended nowadays when you stand up for absolute truth, when you tell them, no, that's not the same God. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He's the one true God. People are scared of offending people. When God called us to disciple all men, to go out to all the nations, that's the great commandment. He calls us to do it. We see the Mormon church doing it. We see the Jehovah's Witness doing it. They stand for what they believe so strong. But the Christians have the truth, and we're called to do the same thing. 
We're called to do the same thing. We're not called to budge. We're not called to compromise. We got to understand that what we believe is true. What we believe is real. We don't just come here to play church. We are the church. We don't come here to play church. I'm not trying to be mean tonight. I'm just wanting so much in our spirits to understand who we are in Christ, who we are in God, what we have inside of us. And if you don't, he wants to do it tonight. He wants to do it tonight. Hallelujah. So when I was young, this is when it started for me. And this is why I think children's ministry is so valuable and so important. I think it is so important that the church has a children's ministry to teach these things. Because when I was little, the short amount of time that my family, my mom took us to church for like a year and a half of my life, between seven and eight years old, that is when the seed was planted in my little heart. I would not have known had that my mom not tried to do that. And, and, and the backlash she had for trying to get us to church was just too hard for her at home. So she gave up. But it was that year and a half moment that that seed where I heard the truth. But you know what? I didn't just hear the truth. I experienced the truth. I felt the love of God. I never forgot the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I never forgot it. We stopped going, yeah, but I had Jesus in my heart, and I knew he was real, and I learned how to pray. And, and that was something that I kept doing just from learning at children's church, or we called it Sunday school back then. Sunday school, it's children's church now. But in Sunday school, that's when the seed was planted and it's so important that our little ones learn it at a young age. Not only learn it, but they can experience it. They can experience. Jesus Christ is an experience. He, there's an experience he has for each and every one of you tonight. And it's called this Holy Spirit. There's an experience that he wants to empower people with tonight. Amen? And so... When I also was young, as I got older, we didn't deal with a lot of the things they deal with today. We didn't have, we weren't exposed to all the things they were, are exposed to now. And if I did meet an atheist, it was very, very rare. Okay, I'm talking 40 and 30 years ago. It was rare that we would meet an atheist, even at school. Someone went, everyone went somewhere to church. Everyone, I mean, I'm telling you, I, since I didn't go to church and I'd stay with friends, I went to every kind of church there is. I went to Lutheran, Presbyterian, Catholic, Baptist, Church of Christ. I went to every kind of church there was with my friends because I didn't go to church. And so very rarely you meet, I would meet someone. But today, it's different, guys. It's different. They deal, there's so many new ideologies in the new age religion you know, then there's not just there's not just atheists. Well, they're clumped together. There's agnostic, humanist, and it's all new age stuff. And so there's so much more that they're exposed to and that they are experiencing that we didn't experience. And that's why it's important that we got to get them rooted and grounded in the Word of God. They got to get the Word down in their heart. It's what's going to cause them to stand. And the top reasons that people stop believing, that stop going to church, are two things. They're either hurt by religion, or they ask this question that all of us ask at one time or another. 
why does God allow bad things to happen? And they asked that question. How many of you have asked that question? Have anybody? A lot of us have, I think. Why does God allow bad things to happen? Pastor Bobby touched on that Sunday. That's not God's fault. That was part of the fall of man. Like he said, if you want to blame anyone, blame Adam and Eve. It's part of sin. And so now we're having to live in that. But we, have, we are actually living in the dispensation of grace. We are so blessed to be able to live and experience Jesus, Jesus in the time that we live in right now. But those are the reasons why people leave oftentimes are from those things like that. Going back to when I was growing up, when after I grew up, high school, graduated, I went off to college in San Marcos. And this was the very first time that I was really exposed to different ideologies. And I'll never, ever forget this. My philosophy class that I took, uh, with the first day that we were there, the professor was talking to everyone, and he was talking about truth. And he straight up asked the question, is there any Christians in here? Just like that. And one of the girls boldly raised her hand. One girl, y'all. Me sitting there, not feeling bold and confident enough, but I knew I loved Jesus. I knew Jesus loved me. I just didn't understand or know enough, you know. But I, I, I had that seed in my heart. But she, she stood up and said, yes, I believe in Jesus. And he goes, Jesus is not truth. There's no absolute truth. And she goes, no, Jesus, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. She knew enough to stand up and say that. I didn't even know that scripture. But while I was sitting there, and I'll never forget, I mean, I was a fresh 18-year-old or 19-year-old then, and I was sitting there, and my heart burned inside of me because I knew what she said was true, but I wasn't bold enough to stand in her shoes because I didn't know enough. So I wasn't confident enough in it. And she stood up, and he tried his best to humiliate her in that class. And everyone else got on the bandwagon. How many of you younger generation have experienced that before? How many of you been to college classes and experienced that? It was like walking into, you probably went to the same school I did, right? And it's like, I'm telling you, it is like watching the show God's Not Did. When I watched that, I thought about that, but it wasn't that big. You know, they didn't make a huge debate about it. Anyways, so... I looked up to this girl all semester long because she stuck with the class, y'all. He humiliated her, but she kept her mouth shut. She was kind to everyone, and she stuck with the class. But God said, never said that our faith was not going to be tested. He did say we will have trials. He did say we will have challenges. He said we will go through tribulation, but we have to stay the course, and we got to keep up the fight of faith. He said, be sober, be diligent. The adversary, the devil, is walking around roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we have to understand the truth of God's word. And that's why wise Solomon wrote in Proverbs, he said, buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth. When you find the truth, it is precious. Protect it with all of your heart. Protect it with all of your life and don't give it up. Buy the truth and sell it not. Why Solomon left us in Proverbs. And what did Paul list as the first element of the Christian's armor against evil? What was the first thing 
when he says to put on the whole armor of God. He says, put on the belt of truth. Why did he say the belt of truth first? Why didn't he say the shield of faith first? Why didn't he say the helmet of salvation first or the, your feet shod with the gospel or peace or even the sword of the spirit? Why didn't he say those things first? He said the belt of truth first because you've got to stand firm on the foundation before the rest of those things will work because there's only one truth. Say one truth with me. One truth. There's only one truth. But he said it like this, and I'm going to read it out of Ephesians. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having all done to, to, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girding about your waist with truth, having put in the breastplate of righteousness, and da, da, da. Now he goes on and on about all the rest. But the very first thing he says is to gird up the loins of your mind, the loins of your mind with truth, gird up your belt, the belt. Hello, Jesus, help me, Lord, right now. Put on the belt of truth. I'm getting mixed up with another scripture. Put on the belt of truth first. Gird up the belt of truth around your waist first before you put on the armor of God. That's the first thing he says to do because you've got to first believe. And the Bible is our sole objective source of God on this earth. This is what God's plan is for our life right here. The Bible is the source of his plan for our lives right here. It is authoritative. The word of God says it's infallible. Infallible means it is without error. There is no errors in this book. This work is perfect. It was written by holy men, led by the Holy Ghost. It is infallible word of God is what he says. And so it's authoritative. And we have that authority to use that word. We have that power to use that word. If we can just understand that here in this place, if we can understand the power that we have. And so the world looks for knowledge. We all look for knowledge. And there's, we're gaining knowledge every day on the Internet, looking at things. Even the church is always looking for knowledge, which is good, is good. But you got to seek it out for the right thing because knowledge cannot ever replace the anointing in a church. I'm going to say that again. Knowledge can never replace the anointing in a church. In days of old, in days of old, men didn't have the degrees. The apostles, when they walked this earth, they didn't have doctorates in theology, people. He, they did not have doctorates in theology. All they had was the power of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Knowledge is good. I'm all about it. I have a degree myself. But I'm telling you, you can get confused and you can get lost if you don't understand the truth when you're learning, 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 ever learning and ever learning. But God wants us to ever learn, ever learn, ever learn, ever learn, ever learn in this word right here. And he wants us to know the truth and Jesus is truth. The Bible warns us in 2 Timothy chapter 4. It says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And listen to this. It says they will reject the truth. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. They will leave the truth. He's talking to people that already knew the truth. 
but are exposed to things and they end up rejecting the truth and then they follow other myths and other thoughts and ideologies and other things that are not of God. 2 Timothy 3.3 says this, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Ha, that's powerful. Having, these are people that knew God, that claimed to know God, having a form of godliness, but they deny its power. They deny its power. A little further down, it says, always, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Always learning. What is truth? The proverbial question that's the title tonight. What is truth? John 14, 6 and 9, Jesus said to him, Philip, that is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father, Philip, except through me. Jesus Christ is our only mediator between God and man. It's Jesus Christ. We have to go through Jesus. He says also, if you had known me, Philip, you would have known my father. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. And, Philip's, and, and Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you, Philip? Yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? John 8 and 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. You shall know the truth. Truth is not a thought. Truth is not a thing. Truth is a person, and it's Jesus Christ. Say truth is a person, and it's Jesus Christ. Because it's going to get down in your heart. You're going to understand it more when you speak those things out loud. John 17 says this. Jesus, in, this, in, this, uh, in John 17, he's praying for his disciples. And this is part of his prayer. He says, he's speaking to the Father. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because you are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now he's saying your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So Jesus here is saying that his word is truth, okay? So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he says this word is truth. John 1 and 1, though, says this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Y'all got it? I'm going to say it again. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh, Jesus Christ, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Say it. I see some of you mouthing it. I know y'all know it. 
full of grace and truth. So he's saying Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and his word is truth. And then it goes on to say in John 14, it speaks about the spirit of truth. Listen to this. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray. This is Jesus. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. He says he's going to give us a helper while we're here on earth. He's speaking to the disciples. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. He calls this helper the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be now inside of you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus here is speaking about the helper. And he calls the helper, he calls the helper our, our uh, spirit, the spirit of truth. And John 14 and 25 says this. Oh, this is so powerful, this right here. Listen to this. How many of you know what the helper is? All right. For those of you that don't, you're about to be blown away. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. This helper, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, it's interchangeable. People get spooked out when you say Holy Ghost because the world, what the world has made it and TV has made it. But it's the same thing. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth that is coming into the world, that is coming inside of you and I, that is there to be our helper. He's there to be our comforter. He's there to be our counselor. He's there to be our guidance in everything that we do. But he's called the spirit of truth. And then John 15 says this, 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. First John 5 and 8, I'm using a lot of scriptures, but it's deep stuff if you can grab a hold of it. First John 5, 6 through 8 says this, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. Speaking of Jesus. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit, the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. Jesus and these three agree as one. Did y'all get that? That's powerful stuff. This is kind of a little deep tonight. But this is the truth. This is the truth. And this generation needs to understand it. My generation, we all need to understand it. God says, I freely give. You've got to freely receive. It is for everyone. He says that he is no respecter of person. With God, there is no partiality. And what God wants to do for some of you here tonight is he wants to reveal himself to you in a deeper way. We have truth. We know who truth is. Jesus is truth. The word is truth. I just taught it. And what else? The Holy Spirit. And he wants to empower you tonight. And this generation, one thing I've learned about this generation is this. 
that you can't fake real with them. They know what's real. And so my prayer is this, and I have been praying this so much because I have young children that are exposed to all these things. But our children have got to have an experience with God. A true, genuine move of God over their lives is what's going to change them. They've got to understand the truth of God's word, but they've got to also understand the power of his spirit. And they've got to experience it. Because children's faith is so innocent and it's so pure because they haven't been tainted by the world yet. God bless our children over there tonight. Bless our children. They are sensitive when they feel God. And I'll tell you a story about, I know how sensitive children are to God. If we could just get them to experience God. When, when Caleb received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we were at church and a lady was worshiping God. This lady always said, when I go, when it's my time, I want to die worshiping Jesus. She was a fireball for God. And she was worshiping God in church, y'all. And she fell over and died. I'm not kidding. She fell over and died. The church started praying, and God raised her back to life. God raised her back. For a week, she lived. But they took her in the ambulance. She, she came back to life. She was unconscious uh, and lived for a week. Her family all got to say goodbye to her. But on the way home after that service, Caleb, and you know Caleb is so, he's very compassionate, okay? He's always been, since he was a little boy, extremely compassionate. He can feel for people. And on the way home, he was just crying and crying and crying. And I, and I said, son, everything's going to be okay. They, they, got, they took Sister Peggy to the hospital. And they, oh, Mom, I, we just got to keep praying. I stopped, the suburb, I stopped the car, and we parked it. I said, okay, let's keep praying. Let's pray. And he, we all held hands, stopped the car, and we, he just said, oh, Lord, touch Sister Peggy, God. Oh, God, he just was praying for her so sincerely, eight years old, crying to God, crying to God. And before I knew it, the little boy, Caleb was speaking in tongues. I never laid hands on him. A man of God at church never laid hands on him. He was crying out to God, and he began to be filled with the Holy Spirit, just like that. Because of a sincere heart, he wasn't even asking for it. Isn't that awesome? And I'll never forget, we were about a year and a half, I guess, into this church. And, and, and back then, this, this was all of our church, just this, not even that next building right there. And half of this was, that half was like a youth room, and only we only had half of this church. And one night, I don't remember, it was a nighttime, so I guess it was a Wednesday night, I don't even remember. But uh, the lady that was going to teach Sunday school called and said she couldn't do it that night. And so I had to fill in. And our little Sunday school room is right there where Jonathan is in the media room. And so we had a window there then. It was there when we got here. And so... That night I said, oh, God, I don't, they didn't ha I don't have a lesson. I have nothing, Lord. What, what do I do? What do I teach these children tonight? Holy Ghost, lead me, direct me, show me. He told me, have them pray for each other. And I says, okay, Lord. Children are so sensitive when they pray for each other. It's so beautiful. And so we get in there, and we have our own little worship time. And I says, okay, God says that we're going to pray for each other. So let's start with saying our prayer requests. So they all, everyone, little 
one at a time that said their prayer request. I says, okay, sweetheart, well, let's start with you. We're going to put you in the middle, and if it's okay with you, we're all going to lay hands. All the kids are going to just have you in the middle. We're going to lay hands on you, and we're going to pray for that need. And the kids started doing it. And as they prayed for that little girl, I looked, and they had stammering lips. All the babies were praying for the need of the girl, and they, their little lips were saying, I said, oh, my God, God's about to move in this place. <laughs> and we were having church over here. And so then the next little one gets in there, and they just all start, oh, Lord. And they're praying, and they're just interceding for that little one. And all of a sudden, the power of God came down in that little bright yellow room back then. It was bright yellow. And the power of God came down, and all eight of those little babies fell out on the floor and were speaking in tongues. All eight of them. What was funny is we were having church over here with the adults. It was just half the building. Church was over. They were still laid out, and they all walked back. How many of you remember that day? Was anyone here with us that day? It was maybe a year into the church. And, and they walked back there to get their children, and I was like, like that. Uh, and they looked through the little window, and those babies were just all over the place worshiping Jesus praising God. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. And what's awesome about that is that God doesn't give our children a little baby, minor, midget, Holy Ghost. He gives them the same one that we get. It's the same Holy Ghost. John 4 and 23 says this, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father, he is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Everyone say spirit and truth. It's not a spooky thing. It's not a, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. His word says those that hunger and thirst after righteousness that they shall be filled. You've got to be hungry. You've got to thirst for it. And God wants to fill you, every one of us in this place tonight. His word says that where the spirit of the Lord is, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom where the spirit of the Lord is. Nicodemus, listen to this, Nicodemus and John asked this question, and Jesus answered and said to him, he asked them uh, uh, about how, being born again, and, and Jesus says, most assuredly I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter back into his mother's womb a second time and be born again? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This is the word of God. Unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born in the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. When you look that up in the Greek, the word sound is phone, and it's, it means a language. You're going to hear a language. 
You'll hear the sound of it when a spirit moves on you. But you cannot tell where it comes from, and you cannot tell where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. How many of you have experienced that in this place? We all, God desires everyone to experience it. I'm telling you, it's a power. And I know this, I love practical teaching. I love to go home and apply it and, 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 and do what I'm taught. But sometimes we just need an old-fashioned move of God in the church. I'm telling teaching changes you. You can take practical teaching home with you, good teaching, and you can apply it to your life. But there's something that the power of God does that even teachings can't do because it's an experience with God, and it's real, and it's true, and he wants to fill people. I just feel this so strong. He wants to fill people that are hungry and thirsty in this place tonight. You don't have to leave here without it. He wants to empower us. The Holy Spirit, the promise of God, is an empowerment to help you live a victorious life. And when you fall, which we will because we are humanity, you know who to go to. You know how to pray in the Spirit. He said it. You'll there'll be you'll will uh, enter when you are in intercession. There will be groanings and moanings which you cannot utter. It is the Spirit of God that will commune for you in the Spirit. It, there's a depth in God that God wants to take this church and He wants to do for every one of us. And it is real, and it is genuine, and it is pure, and it is holy because it comes from above. When the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Ghost is poured out, it is like you are getting a touch from heaven. Can you imagine it is just a little kiss from heaven when we experience that? It's just a little kiss from heaven. The God, can you imagine one day when we're there in glory? Can you imagine if we just taste? He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord, that he is good. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.